in your life. I said, God is doing a great work in your life. You know, I don't know what it is about humanity, you know, just the way we think, but we're so quick to see stuff that we don't like and to hyper-focus on the stuff that's wrong. And we look at circumstances and situations that we don't like or the way people act or, you know, man, you, guys, the Bible says your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus, Philemon verse 6. That your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing. You know, not only in our own life, we need to learn to recognize and acknowledge the good thing in others. To help them activate their faith. Hey, put your eyes over here on what's working, on what, you, what God's doing. We, we need to realize that God's doing some awesome stuff. And, and we, you know, we've all made some dumb mistakes. We've all chosen the wrong choice. We've all, but, but God is able to work through all of that mess and still produce an amazing outcome. How do you know that you can't mess up God? You might slow the process down. You might be the hiccup in the, in the big overall plan. But the reality is, is that when you surrender to God, this is one of the cool things I love about God, is that God can just take that mess and he, he, can, just, he can just make something awesome out of your life. And that he has a plan. You know, we got it on the wall. God said, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you. My plans aren't to harm you. But they're to give you hope and to give you a future. God's got a great plan for your life. He's not trying to mess with you, you know, for his own personal enjoyment. He's not sitting up there going, hey, come here, God, come here, come here, watch this, watch this, watch, watch, watch what he's going to do. He's such an idiot. Watch. That's not how God works. That's how we work. And that's, that's what he meant in Isaiah when he says, not my way. He's, he's not trying to pull one over on you. I think sometimes we act, we live like, if we did it God's way, that we'd miss out on something. You know, we, we buy into all kinds of lies, and we believe all kinds of stuff. We end up living a deceived life because we act like, like, like well, if I gave my life to God, if I bow before God, He's going to end up making me do all kinds of weird, crazy things that I don't want to do. No, don't you realize that the God life that he has in store for you is, is a life of fulfillment. It's health and life and peace. And it's more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more health than sickness. God, God's plan is, is an awesome plan. That's what, you know, that's, that's what Romans 12, when Paul was writing, he said, you know, uh, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice unto God, wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove God's will is good. God's will is perfect. God's will is acceptable. You're not talking about proving it to the world. It's talking about proving it to yourself. You know, as a matter of fact, it even says that in Amplified, that you would prove to yourself. that God. See, a lot of us don't buy in that God's will is good for me. We're, we're under the impression that if we do it God's way, it won't be best. No, I'm telling you that God's way will always be best for you. You know, we don't, we don't, we're, we don't, we don't have real buy-in when it comes that God wants to prosper me. Oh, God's just trying to get my money. You guys, you guys just want my money. Keep your stinking money. 
God wants to prosper you. Not, not, not just financially, emotionally, relationally, mentally. God wants you strong and flourishing in every realm of your life. And you gotta buy in. See, if you don't trust God, if you don't, if you don't trust God, then you're gonna try to be God. And you're gonna try to do stuff that's His job. And when you're busy doing His job, somebody ain't doing your job. Isn't it funny how we want God to do what we're supposed to do? So that we can do His stuff. Right? We're always telling God, reach my neighbor, reach my neighbor. He put you there to reach your neighbor. You reach the neighbor and he'll take care of some other stuff, right? Well, I'm busy doing what God's supposed to be doing. Knock it off. You're supposed to be trusting him. Hello, somebody. Come on, this is way better than you're letting on. You know, I'm up in your stuff this morning, huh? Come on. We want God to be God. We need to be seeking God's way. You know, people get so confused when it comes to finding the will of God. I just need to, I just need to know the will of God. I need to know, you know, where God wants me and what he wants me doing. And I got to have all of these steps in the will of God. Uh, how about whatever you're doing, you just start doing it God's way. You know, if, Hey, if you love skateboarding, skateboard Jesus style, right? There's a way that you can take Jesus and add it to what you do. Well, I don't think Jesus would be going where I've been going. I bet he would. He just wouldn't be doing what you've been doing. Huh? And maybe maybe he put that passion inside of you to go there so that you could take him. Well, I don't want to be the freak down there. The freak. How about the life? How about the hope? You do realize that a lot of your friends know where you are right now. They're going to church. So get this. So people without hope are watching you because you're supposed to have hope. And people without hope are hoping that you could find some hope. So that when you get back out to where the hopeless are, that you would bring hope. Not that you would just step back into hopelessness and say, yeah, I just took a 35-minute break so we could sing songs and get rid of some money. Come on, there's something bigger than that going on. You know, it's so weird because I, I grew up in church, and, and even in church sometimes we make, well, you know what we do in church is we make religion out of stuff. The word, the word religion, by the way, it comes from a, from a root word, and what it implies is what is left after something else is gone. It's, it's, the, it's that which remains. That's what the word religion means. So it's like after God goes by, what's left over is we call it religion. You think of it this way. It's like you ever picked up the telephone after, after somebody had it and they wear a lot of cologne? Yep, they were here. You know, the phone rings and you pick it up. Are they there? No, but they were. <laughs> and, you know, why? Because it's the fragrance that's left after they leave. That's what religion is. But you don't have to settle for just what's left after he, he leaves. You, you get relationship and you get to go with him. Right? And you're going to carry that with you everywhere you go. And so what we ought to be seeking is God's way for our life. Look at Proverbs 21, 21. He who earnestly seeks after and craves righteousness. Righteousness is God's way of doing, God's way of being right. That when you're seeking righteousness, mercy, loving kindness, look at what he's going to find. He will find life. You know, in John 10, 10, when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. 
He's not talking, uh, you know, about the ability to inhale and exhale. That word life there is zoe, Z-O-E. It means God life, or life as God has it. He said, I, I've kind of, you might have the God kind of life. Not a different level of your life, a different lifestyle altogether. Where you're above the circumstances, where you're going through stuff, but, but, but you got victory, where you're empowered to, to win, regardless of the situation, where you live a lifestyle that's actually humiliating hell. That, that, that's the life, he said. When, when you're seeking God's way of doing and being right, he said, you're going to find life and honor. Not only are you going to find the righteousness, but you're going to find life. You're going to find more than you were looking for. You're going to get more than you bargained for when you start seeking life his way. But see, a lot of times we, we, we uh, disengage from doing things God's way because we are not seeing results like we want, when we want, how we want, as long as we want. So we start trying to, we start shifting again and we start taking over. We surrender to God for 30 minutes, but if he can't solve my problems before I get in the parking lot, then I get right back in the driver's seat. And today I'm here to challenge you to let God drive. You know, don't, don't keep taking over, but, but yeah, but you don't understand what I'm going through. Well, look at Romans 8:28. We know this. It says we are assured and we know that God being a partner in their labor, all things are working together and are fitting into a plan for good. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. If you, if you understand that you're called to God's purpose, then you're assured of that. In other words, there ain't no doubt about it that God will cause all things to work together for good, to fit into a plan. God's got a plan and it's not to harm me. God's got a plan to bless my life, to, to, to position me to win and succeed. God's got a plan for your life. You can, you can know that even the junk, man, even the, even the hardship, even the test, the trial, He's gonna use that. God can use what the enemy intended for evil and He can turn it for good. I love what David said in the Psalms. He said, I look behind me and you were there. You know what he said? He's implying that I look back at the mess that I just went through, at the days that I thought I was alone, at the moment that I thought you had forsaken me, when I thought you had kicked me to the curb, and I look back and realize, no, you were there every step of this journey. My God, somebody. Even even when I had done stupid stuff. Anybody in here ever done stupid stuff? Come on, get re- hold it up and let people look around the room. Because some of the rest of them are liars, and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a uh, altar call for liars in a minute. The last dumb thing you did was not raise your hand. <laughs> Ever done anything stupid? Nope, not me. It was my brother. We've got three boys. <laughs> you ever notice? I digress, but it's gonna be fun. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed? You know, it's so weird. You know, the boys are getting bigger now, and, uh, and life is taking them places, and they're doing big boy things now, you know, but, and and you would think it would change, but it hasn't changed at all because, you know, they've gone off and come back and gone off and come back. And right now we got them all together. And in a couple of weeks, some of them are going to go off again, but right now they're all together. And it's really funny because stuff will happen at the house. Who did that? Wasn't me. (laughs) I can't believe it's like Shelby becomes demon possessed when all the boys are together because like she leaves dirty socks laying around. And you know she has to go find them. She has to go outside and get them dirty. She does something to make them sweaty, kind of. And, and they're your socks, too. And she brings them in and throws them in the floor. So that when we say, are those yours? I didn't do that. 
It's how we live our life. You know, all kinds of weird stuff going on. Wasn't me. We've all done some stupid stuff. Hello? We, we, we've all left our undergarments in the bathroom. Come on, somebody. You know, we, we've all said things we shouldn't have said and ended up on roads we shouldn't end up on. You know, do you have a GPS in your car? You know, it's kind of cool because when we first got a car that had GPS in it, it was, I, I, I like to play with it, you know. And even from here, I'd set from current location to home just to see how it would take me. And we'd pull out and get, get ready to go on to Clearwater and say, turn left, so I'd turn right. And then it'd say, turn right, so I'd turn left. And, you know, after four or five acts of disobedience, the thing would kind of get silent for a little while. It's almost as if to say, why bother? <laughs> but pretty soon it would pipe back up and say, make you turn as quick as possible. And no matter where I went, in reality, it could recalculate and get me to my end destination. Isn't it funny? You trust that GPS thing to take you across the nation if you had to. But you struggle trusting God to take you to the destination that he's called you to. And you think that because when he said right and you turned left, oh, shoot, we screwed him up. No, I think he's still big enough to get you there. Well, I was supposed to be here, but now I'm over there. I don't think you've disrupted the plan of God. Again, you might have made the trip a little longer than it needed to be. There are some folks in the Bible that spent 40 years on an 11-day journey, but God still got them to where they were going. Huh? God still got them where they needed to go. You, have, you haven't messed up so bad that God's done with you. Quit listening to that voice. It's telling you uh, how screwed up you are. No, we know that all things work together for good. God can take even the messed up stuff. You're trying to make brownies, but you made a doorstop instead. God will find a purpose for it. He'll keep the door open for you. I like that. Ephesians 2.10, we're God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we might do the good works which he predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready. He's out in front, but he's got your backside too. He can get you. He can get you to where you're going. Yeah, but you don't understand. And I got to take matters into my hand. And I got to fix this. And I got to do that. Matthew 6. 31, he, he quoted part of this this morning. Listen to this. Don't worry or be anxious. Saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Everybody, the heathens wish for, crave for, diligently seek these things. Your heavenly Father knows well that you need all that stuff. But seek at, aim at, strive after His kingdom, His way of doing and being right. Seek His way of doing. Then... All that stuff will be given to you besides. Don't worry and be anxious about tomorrow. That's his job. Don't do his job. Do yours. Do yours. Look at everybody and say, do yours. Look at Matthew 7, 24, 7. So everyone who hears, everyone I think would include everyone. We're going to talk about this for just a second because some of us think that don't apply to me. Are you, what are you, on crack? Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, obeys them. He's wise. 
Everyone, everyone who hears and obeys God is wise. It's like the guy who builds his house upon the rock. Look what happens. The rains fall. The floods come. Wait a minute. I did what he said. Why is it storming? Because you live in Kennewick. The, the, the wind's going to blow. It beats on out. But, but it doesn't fall because it's founded on the rock. Look at 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them, he's a stupid fool. Jesus talking, not me. I'm just repeating. Everyone who hears God's word but doesn't do it, he's like a fool who builds his house on the sand. Check it out. The rains fall, the floods come, the winds blow, beat against the house, and it falls, and great and complete is the fall of it. you got two individuals attempting the same endeavor with totally radical, different results. They're dealing with the same climate. They're facing the identical storm. They're at the same place. It's not where you build your house. It's not the place that makes it special. But it's the person. Who is the rock? Jesus. You know, I really think that we ought to replace searching for the will of God with searching for the way of God. It doesn't do any good anyways to be at the right place if you're the wrong guy. You know, if you don't do life God's way, who cares where you're doing it? I'm in the right place. Yeah, but you do it wrong. You know, if your heart's right, you can do the wrong stuff and still win. But if your heart's wrong, you can do all the right things. You're still going to fail. So you've got to do it God's way. I don't want to mess up the will of God if I marry the wrong person. Yes, the romantic balance of the entire universe will be out of whack. Not really, you know, well, are you saying it doesn't matter who I marry? Well, if you don't do marriage God's way, no, it don't make any difference. You can have Mr. Perfect, but he will kill you in your sleep. Right? Why? Because you're not doing it God's way. You got, you got to do it God's way. You can have all kinds of cash, but if you don't do it God's way, that will destroy you. Oh, come on, I'm preaching good now. You, you can have the right job, but if you do it the wrong way, it don't matter. You're still going to get fired. You're still going to be unwhole, empty, broken. But if you just do it God's way. Well, I'm going to go to college and I don't want to make the wrong choice and go to the wrong school because I'm, I'm expecting to go to college and meet Mr. Wright. I need to meet the right guy. So I've got to be at the right place. What, God's not big enough to get Mr. Wright on a bus and bring him to the wrong place? I mean, your story's better. You just got to do it God's way. God's way. You got to quit trying. You got to quit trying to take matters in your own hands, scheme to get the result you want. And you got to stop not trusting God. You got to break that mentality off that says, God's trying to trick me. I know he is. 
God, God's trying to pull one over on me. God, God, God's trying to get me to do stuff that's going to separate me from what I really want. Don't you understand that God has given you the desires of your heart? That inside of you there's some passionate desire. And I believe that God put that in you. Not so that you'd run from it, but so that you could run to it. So that, well, how in the world could God use what I'm... No, no, no. He'll clean up your passion. But I'm telling you, God can cause all things to work together for good. So no matter what craziness you got going on in you right now, you know, I'm telling you, God can, God can find a way. He's really not trying to stick it to you. Hello? But a lot of times we just do stupid stuff and... Well, let's read a story here in Genesis 25, starting at verse 24. When the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth, covered with thick hair like a fur coat. It's not in my bloodline. Dude, I can't even grow a decent beard. Sorry, Stephen. They named him Esau. Then the other was born... He was grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Go study that. He had a nickname his entire life. Isaac, the dad. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. That just scares the P-Wadden out of me. Dear God. He was 60. He was 60. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. Everybody say skillful hunter. It's important that you remember. Skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob... He was an interior decorator. I'm just reading my translation of the Bible here. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. Rebecca loved Jacob because he decorated the house. One day when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness. <laughs> Are you getting the picture? One day, Jacob's doing house and Esau comes home from working hard. And he's exhausted and hungry. Not, not a little wore out, not a little tired, not a little winded. Exhausted. He's at the point of dying. By the way, when you're exhausted and hungry, you have a tendency to do some stupid stuff. When, when, you're, when you're exhausted and starving, that's not a good moment to make life-changing decisions. You know, just a little nugget of wisdom for you. When you're exhausted and starving, don't do it. He comes home starving. I'm starved. Give me some of that soup. And Jacob replies, cool, but trade me your birthright. You're the firstborn son. Everything's going to come to you. All of us are going to serve you, but you're going to die anyways. So why don't you trade me your birthright for this soup? And he does it. It's like the dumbest deal in the history of mankind. You know, I'm dying of starvation. What good's my birthright to me? He said, well, swear that you're going to give me the birthright. And so he swore an oath. And so he got, he, he, he got bean soup. Idiot. I mean, can you believe that? How stupid is that? And we do it all the time. We satisfy temporary pleasures and indulge in the present and sabotage our future. 
we, we take matters into our own hands because, well, we couldn't just trust God because we're tired and hungry. And obviously, God doesn't know how tired I am or how hungry I am. And since He's not going to feed me, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to trade the future promise for a, for a momentary breakthrough. I'm going to have you know, instant gratification instead of trusting God. Stupid. We've all done it. Because we can't imagine God coming through and doing what He promised. Because we're exhausted. We're not thinking right. You know, when you're tired, you're just not thinking right. When you're hungry, you'll eat dang near anything. Stuff you don't like. I'm telling you, he's a hunter and he's coming home to bean soup. He eats meat with his daddy and he's going to have broth. He's trading his birthright for something that came out of the garden. And he loves to go out and kill stuff. He, he makes a lifestyle change because of that moment he can't see he's going to make it. Like God's really going to trick you. But it's hard. Toughen up, buttercup. You're going to make it. See, we think God is like tricky. We've, we know the compound names of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Jehovah Sidgenu, my righteousness. Jehovah Jokester, the one who tricks me. Jehovah Jokester. You really, you really think that God's playing games with you? How many, how many of you guys are familiar with jelly bellies? Most everybody. Jelly belly. You know, they're jelly beans. They're jelly beans. I, I, need, a, I need a couple of volunteers. Let's go with Sean. You were nudging somebody else. Come on up here, bro. Glenn. Come here, Glenn. Come here, Glenn. This is, yeah, give them a hand as they come. One on each side, facing the people. It's not going to hurt or nothing. It's not going to hurt. Okay, bean boozled. Have you heard of these? Made by Jelly Belly, just jelly beans. But what it is is they're all, they're all just colors, right? They're colors. And uh, you look nervous. What's wrong with you? Going to be okay? Sure. And they're just all just regular colors. They all they, they just look like jelly beans, don't they? The problem is, is that in this box, all of these colors, and we don't know which is which. Just but it could be strawberry jam, but it might be centipede. Could be caramel corn, but it could be moldy cheese. Might taste like peach, or it might taste like barf. Just reading the box. Could be berry blue, but it might be toothpaste. Could be. Top banana or pencil shavings. We're not sure. Could be coconut, but it might be baby wipes. Could be juicy pear or booger. It could be chocolate pudding, but it might be canned dog food. Could be buttered popcorn, and it might be rotten egg. Could be licorice, but it might be skunk spray. We don't know, right? So, so, so it's just like, you know, you just take one of these. Everybody take one. You take one of those. Take one of these. Here you go. And when I say three, just eat it. And, and, uh, but not yet. Just but hold on. But, but we, this is kind of how we go through life. Like, we're not sure what we're going to get. Right? Might be good. Might be bad. Might be healthy. Might be not. You know, and, okay, you ready? One, two, three. Go. What'd you get? Licorice. Huh? What'd you get? Uh, licorice. Sweet. Let's do it again. Ready? 
Don't know what we're going to get. One, two, three, go. What'd you get? Baby poop. What'd you get? Licorice. Licorice. Sometimes it's good. Hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. Don't know what I'm going to get. Just never know. Because, you know, if I do it God's way, it might be licorice. It might be skunk spray. I, you know, he calls it baby poop. The last guy that had one of those almost threw up. It was horrible. Um, let's just go this way. So the next thing, God says, do this. Okay, let's give it a round. One, two, three, go. What do you got? What'd you get? Oh, I think it's supposed to be baby wipes. That's to help you with that skunk spray thing. Is that good? Yeah, never know what I'm going to get. He's living half right. He's living all wrong because, you know, stuff is not, it just ain't working. And, and your wife asked me to do this several, several times. So here, okay, one, two, three, go. What'd you get? I'm thinking that's moldy cheese. Popcorn, moldy cheese. So now he's 75% right. He's 100% wrong. This dude is dying over here. Give them a hand. I won't do that to you anymore. It's just, love you, man. So you've been being boozled, right? So that, that's what God's going to do. He's going to being boozle me if I do it his way. It might be moldy cheese. No, man. God's way for you is always good. God's way for you is always good. He's not, he's not trying to pull one over you on. And, and you know, we, we act like, like real believers. Like, but then we, we get our hands involved. Because we don't like the timing or we don't like the way it looks. We forget that God's going to cause all things to work together for our good. And that he's taking us to a place and to a future that's just absolutely awesome. Check it out in Genesis 28, starting at verse 1, read verse 1 and 2. Uh, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Which, by the way, I just want, this is a totally different message, but I just want to point out that a lot of you wanting God to talk to you, but God talked to Jacob through Isaac. Sometimes it's the people in your life that are going to speak the words of life to you. Matter of fact, let, let, let me just put it this way, sir. Has it ever occurred to you that God could speak to you through your wife? I always expect the estrogen to kick in and the ladies to give me some support. You know, God puts people in your world so he can speak through them, too, you know. And and by the way, if you don't have anybody in your life that you would trust God to use, then why are they in your life? Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. And, you know, and just notice this, that this, you know, Jacob is 40 years old. He's been, you know, he's kind of frustrated with his dad. And, and, and it's his dad charging him and said, don't take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Okay? Go to verse 2. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, just outside of Finley, and take yourself a wife from there. Don't look at me like that. I, I'm a graduate of Oakland High School. Not Oakland, California. Oakland, Oregon. Our mascot was an acorn. Yeah! I understand these backwater things, okay? I'm, and I can have some fun. So, uh, go get a wife from there 
and, and, and he rises up and he's walking in a little bit. He struck down to verse 10. Now Jacob went out and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head for a pillow. And he lay down and went to sleep. And he dreamed a dream. And behold, a ladder was set up on earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I'm going to give to you and to your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall shall spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. His brother's telling him, I'm going to kill you. God's telling him, I'm going to bless you. He's, he, he has a skilled hunter tracking him. And it's almost like God's unaware. You don't have to take stuff in your own hands. You have to hear God say, I'm going to use you. All the families of the earth can be blessed by you. Yeah, but I irritated a skilled hunter. I ripped him off. He's chasing me down. God says, I'm going to bless you. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to the promise. I just need that statement's for somebody today. I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. I hope you go where I lead you, but wherever you go, because I can bring you back to the promise. I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. Hmm. Jacob woke up and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Here's what we're praying is that you would wake up and realize God can do it right where I am. God can do it. God can do it. You know, there, there was a lady that she was a, she was just so poor and, and next door to her, uh, th- there was an atheist that lived next door to her and he used to give her a bad time because, you know, she was always at church and always talking about church and always, you know, talking Bible and, and, and it just, you know, and they'd go back and forth and, and the atheist wife from time to time, she'd go to church with this older lady, you know, and mainly not because she believed anything, but just to keep an eye on her because she's getting up there, you know. And, uh, and the lady went to church one night and they were, they were doing a special offering for something and she was down. I mean, she was poor. And, uh, but they were doing a special offering. She took her last $20 bill out and she put it in the offering and then she stood up and told everybody what she did. She said, I put my last $20 in the offering because I felt God told me to do it and I don't have one thing in my shelf at home to eat tonight, but I know God's gonna provide. And, and the atheist wife sitting there next to her is going, oh good lord. She's crazy. Got home from church and he was laughing and still. And what happened tonight? Well, she gave her last twenty dollars and she's told everybody she has nothing to eat. He decided he's gonna mess with her a little bit, so he went down to the grocery store and bought several bags of groceries and put them out on the front porch. And then went over to his porch to sit on the porch to watch her reaction when she came out and she comes outside and she sees those groceries and she, you know she just starts hooping and hollering like white hanky moment and she's screaming he did it he did it he did it he did it and he's laughing he gets up and steps off his porch and walks over there and she's still going he did it he did it he did it and he's laughing and said no he didn't 
She says, yes, he did. He did it. He goes, no, he didn't do it. She goes, he did it. Look at the groceries. And he said, he didn't do it. I did it. Look at the receipt. And she said, he did it, and he made the devil pay for it. You might think you're alone. You are not. You might think you are forgotten. You are not. You might think it's too big. It is not. You might think you've gone too far. You have not. He is still on the throne. He is still in control. And he's still going to do it in your life. He's going to bring you back to your promise. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout. Give him a praise. Thank you, Father. You know, really, quite often, it's the problem that's leading us and shaping us for our purpose. It's the stuff we're trying to get out of that God can use to make the most of us. You know, his brother's trying to take him out and God's trying to take him up. We just need to trust God. Quit scheming. He's not trying to beamboozle you. He's for you, not against you. I want you to close your book, bow your head, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today that your plan for us is not 